That is the theme that we're going to focus on over the course of the next six weeks during our Lenten worship, this idea of crossbound. We're going to look at different texts from the Gospel of Luke that demonstrate how Jesus began this journey to Jerusalem, which ended in your salvation and mine. That's the mission of Jesus. He came to this earth to save. I don't know what you think of this young man on the screen, but I'm not sure that I would have wanted to race him. He looks pretty determined, doesn't he? Looks like he's ready to put in all the effort that's necessary, leave it all on the track, give every ounce of his energy to win the race. If you think about that, that face that he has, that, that bound and determined face, may, maybe you can even in your head come up with some other adjectives that might describe what you see on this young man's face. Resilient, maybe even resolute. He, he will stop at nothing to make sure that he gets to that finish line and hopefully in first place. It's that very picture that Luke is going to pick up on, that idea that that Jesus was resolute in his effort to save us. And as we see that in Luke chapter 9 tonight, we're going to note a couple of things as we go through this text. One, One is just how Jesus let nothing stop him, and the second is that Jesus was able to finish the task that God sent him to do. Listen to these words from Luke chapter 9, verses 51 to 56. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven... Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. When the disciples James and John saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? But Jesus turned and rebuked them. Then he and his disciples went to another place village. There's a beautiful picture in in one of the the words that you got to see right away in verse 51, that that Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. What we're going to see kind of wrapped around this word and then through the rest of the text is that first truth, that nothing would stop Jesus from earning our salvation. The original Greek language actually has a a different expression, although the English translation is fine trying to get us to see how determined Jesus was to finish his task. But what it actually says in the text is this, Jesus set his face toward Jerusalem. That's the original Greek. And maybe this picture of Jesus, we don't know exactly what he looked like, but it looks, he looks determined in this picture. He looks like he will stop at nothing to make sure that he finishes what he set out to do. Right before our text in Luke chapter 9, Jesus had prophesied for the second time that he was going to Jerusalem to die. Could anyone have faulted Jesus if he took his time? If he kind of waited, delayed going to Jerusalem, knowing what was going to happen to him there? But he didn't. As Luke says, he set his face. He was resolute. He was determined. Nothing was going to stop him. It's kind of amazing to think about when we consider our world, ourselves. Don't we do anything we can to avoid pain? And yet here's Jesus, not just running away from pain, but actually moving toward it as he went to Jerusalem. 
Luke chapter 9, verse 51, really kind of marks a turning point in Luke's gospel. Luke's entire gospel is 24 chapters long. And here, nearing the end of chapter 9, we have this new section, I suppose you could say, this turning point, because now the rest of the gospel is going to be all about this journey that Jesus makes to Jerusalem and what happens when he gets there. We're just a few months at this point away from Jesus suffering and dying on a cross and rising again. And Jesus is going to make this trip from Galilee down to Judea. Kind of take a look at a map here. You probably know these things, but there's Galilee up there. Yes, surrounding the Sea of Galilee and the Jordan River leads you down to the Dead Sea. Jesus and his disciples were going to come from Galilee all the way down here to Jerusalem. But can you see what's in between Galilee and Judea? Samaria. And so Jesus makes a plan with his disciples. He actually sends a couple of them into Samaria to see if he could make a stop there on his way to Jerusalem. But maybe we should know that there's no love lost between the Samaritans and the people in Judea, the Jewish people. That really stems back about 700 years before our text happens because the Assyrians had come into the northern ten tribes of Israel and carried them away into captivity, replacing the Israelites with people from all over their empire. And so the Jewish people looked to the north, to Samaria, and said, those aren't our brothers and sisters. They're people from all over. And then what happened is they adopted some of the worship practices of the Jewish people to the south and then mixed in some of their own ideas from some of their false religions. And all this led to really a conflict between Jewish people and Samaritans. The Jewish people looked down on Samaritans and the Samaritans despised them for it. So here's Jesus wanting to come to Samaria and the people would not welcome him. We're not told which two disciples were the ones that Jesus sent ahead. But maybe from the text we can kind of gather it might have been James and John. Do you remember those two guys? Their brothers became apostles, wrote parts of the Bible, John did. And and, and they are fishermen by trade. Sons of a man by the name of Zebedee. And maybe we can understand a little bit their anger. They've watched the guy that they've followed for the last three years all of a sudden be rejected. And they're waiting, waiting for Jesus to be the one who's going to come and demonstrate how no one could stand in the way of the king of kings. And so they asked Jesus an interesting question. Those people, Jesus, the ones who rejected you, shouldn't we call down fire from heaven and destroy them? Maybe there's a little lesson for us there. Certainly it must have hurt Jesus' heart to know that the Samaritan people had rejected him. And yet, he wasn't in this world to bring judgment down on people. And I think about the world in which you and I live today and and how often we might feel as if Christianity is under attack. Maybe it's disparaged. Maybe we see posts on Facebook and social media. Maybe we see videos of people who are mocking Christians. And doesn't it get a little bit of anger rising in us? We want to defend ourselves. Maybe even we wonder why God doesn't act in judgment a little bit more quickly. Maybe Jesus reminds us here that's not the purpose of his word. 
It's not the purpose of his message. It's not the purpose that Jesus came to this world. Maybe like James and John, we need to be reminded too that Jesus' purpose was love and that he wants us to portray him as a loving Savior, to live at peace with all people so that they too might know the love that Jesus has for them. So there are two bumps in Jesus' road already on his way to Jerusalem. The Samaritans who wouldn't welcome him, his disciples who didn't understand the purpose that Jesus was on earth, and yet nothing stopped Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Even when there was an opportunity for for Jesus to say, well, you know what, this just isn't working out. Even when he was rejected, Jesus kept moving forward, resolutely staying on his path to Jerusalem. I find that remarkable to think about Jesus connecting with his mission in such a way, knowing that he had to stay on the course that he was on to save you and to save me. That's really the second part that we want to talk about tonight just a little bit. And that is the fact that Jesus finished his task. What he came to this earth to do, he completed. See, we know the rest of the story. Even though, as our text is read, we're a few months away from from Jesus paying for the sins of the whole world, we know that he did just that. We know where his journey ends. He makes it to Jerusalem. And once in Jerusalem, he faces again some opportunities to turn his back and say, this is not what I signed up for. His own disciples reject him, turn their backs on him. Then he stands at trial before Annas and Caiaphas and he's punished. Pilate joins in the fun as well. Jesus is flogged, a crown of thorns is placed on his head and then it gets worse. Jesus gets nailed to a cross. I can't even imagine the horror of having nails driven through hands and feet and being hung on a cross and yet that still, that still wasn't the worst thing that happened to Jesus. As Jesus hung on that cross, he experienced the ultimate rejection, the rejection of his heavenly father. As Jesus hung on the cross with your sins and my sins heaped upon him, God the Father rejected him. Do you remember what Jesus cried out? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That was Jesus suffering the agony of hell so that you and I never have to. Just a few moments later, Jesus cried out again with these three words, It is finished. Our guarantee that Jesus paid in full for your sins and mine, that Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem, that he reached his destination and he finished the work that he came to this earth to do. You see, Jesus' mission, his mission from God was all about you. It was all about me. It was to save all people from sin. Even Jesus said this about himself in Mark chapter 10. Even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's why Jesus set his face toward Jerusalem, to give his life for you and for me. A couple things to take away from our devotion tonight. Number one, Jesus' determination to save us took him all the way to the cross. One of his apostles, Peter, wrote this in his first epistle. 
For he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Number two, we know our place in heaven is secure because Jesus finished his task. That's why Jesus could write to the church in Revelation the same thing that he says to you and me. Be faithful, even to the point of death, and I will give you the crown of life. That was Jesus' mission, and it's finished. On the island of Oahu in Hawaii, there is a path that many people have embarked upon. Recently, it's been made illegal. It's not safe enough for people to climb up to the top of this peak. But for a long time, people would come to Hawaii just to do the stairway to heaven. Have you ever heard of this before? Stairway to heaven is 3,266 steps. It's about two and a half miles round trip. It takes somewhere between two and three hours to go up and another hour to two hours to come back down. 2,600 feet in elevation difference. And even still today, though it's not legal, there are people that fly to Hawaii to do that, only that thing. They risk the fine that they might get and climb the steps to the top of this mountain. Maybe we can understand why. It certainly is probably an amazing view, a sense of accomplishment, but it's a mission, isn't it? You have to be dedicated. You have to be determined to get to the top of the steps because I would guess, at least for me, I mean, we were just on the winter retreat and it was hard enough to climb up 800 feet to the caves. 2,600 feet have to be lung-burning time and some terribly sore legs by the time you get to the top. And again, for what? Then we think about Jesus' mission. The mission that he came to earth to do was to make a way for us to heaven. A way that doesn't involve us because it's all by the grace of God. And Jesus finished that task. You and I stand today certain of where we're going. Of the fact that we have a place waiting for us in heaven because Jesus let nothing stop him on his journey. And he finished the job that he was sent to do. You have heaven, and Jesus is determined that you will join him there forever. Amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We please join me in Luther's evening prayer. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have graciously kept me this day. Forgive me all my sins and graciously keep me this night. Into your hands I commend my body and soul and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the wicked foe may have no power over me. Amen. <laughs>